Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome today's guest, the strong and powerful Eric Rosenberg. Eric, are you ready to do this? I was born ready. <laughs> Excellent. Let's do this. Eric is a writer, speaker, and consultant who, after a decade in corporate finance and accounting, took the leap into self-employment as a freelance finance and business writer and now helps individuals and businesses reach personal profitability. I'm excited to have you on, Eric. Tell us a little bit about your personal life as well as some more about your work and why it is that you do what you do. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. And so my background going way back in time, I uh, went to the University of Colorado, got a finance degree. Uh, I I wanted to do that traditional uh, kind of corporate finance or banking route when I went to business school. That's why I picked a finance major. Um, I found after working in the bank, it wasn't really the right fit for me. And I don't think that to banking in general, that was the, the specific bank I was at. But I learned so much about you know, banking and personal finance between getting the finance degree and that time working in the bank. And one of my jobs was I was the guy who approved mortgage loans up to a certain level or credit card applications. And I was the boss of all the tellers and the you know new accounts. So I got to know all the ins and outs and details of what it's like uh, to deal with a bank. When I left that job, I'd been reading a few personal finance blogs, and many of them were stories of people who got into horrible credit card debt or something else like that and shared the story of how they were digging out of their personal finance uh, flubs, if you will. And I started thinking, well, you know, I've never had any big personal finance mistakes. I've never had debt. I would graduated without any student loans, uh, thanks to a full-ride scholarship uh, from the Boy Scouts. I'd never had credit card debt. I'd, I'd done everything right with my money. I thought, well, people should listen to me, not these people <laughs> who've screwed up. So that's how I started my personal finance blog back in October 2008. And um, along the way after that, I earned an MBA. And I spent about a decade in corporate finance and accounting in gray cubicle land, as I like to call it. And um, yeah, so from the point that I started my personal finance blog until I was able to quit my job, it was about eight years of hard work, and you know, all of a sudden I was an overnight success. <laughs> just, just like that. Exactly. Yeah. But it was, you know, as you know, and most people could figure, you know, business isn't always a simple path or a straight line. I started all of this as a side hustle. So when I started working online, you know, I didn't have any need to make the money there. I was working in corporate finance. I was, I was paid okay. I wasn't like, you know, flipping burgers at McDonald's, making minimum wage. I, I had a good income, but I noticed when I made, I remember my first ad I got on my blog, it was this $10 sponsored post, which please, uh, if you're a blogger, don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Things have changed a lot since 2008 and 2009. Google will throw your blog um, to the bottom of the list if you do stuff like that today, which is why my blog is not at the top of the list still, I think. (laughs) But um, I remember when I got that first $10, I was so excited I could go to the bar and buy a beer right. with what I made online. Like, what a cool thing. <laughs> I, I could like have a drink with my buddies based on something I did outside of work on evenings, weekends, you know, all that free time. But then it grew to a point that it was paying for like all of my bar tabs for a month, which in my mid-20s was saying something. <laughs> I was a big nightclubber. Right. And then it grew to a point it was covering my rent. And then 
you know, my my share of the mortgage when I, I bought a condo and split the monthly cost with the roommate. So, you know, this money was growing and growing online. And in 2015, when at this point I'd moved from Denver to Portland with my then girlfriend, now wife, um, I made $40,000 on the side. And I realized at that point, well, if I can make $40,000 in revenue doing this maybe 10 to 20 hours a week, imagine what I could do if I did it full time. So like any good, responsible dad with a six-month-old daughter and a stay-at-home mom wife, I quit my job, sold my house, and moved somewhere more expensive. Makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. So that's how I landed in, in sunny Ventura, California. We're, we're midway between Santa Barbara and Los Angeles. And so far, so good. Everything's been working out. I have um, that, that daughter is two years old now. And we got another one along the way. Uh, she just turned three months old. So it's a busy house. I'm surrounded by girls. Thankfully, I have two dogs that are boys. So we have a little bit of testosterone in the house, though their combined weight is 25 pounds. I don't know if that counts. <laughs> Every little bit perhaps helps or, or, totally. or, or certainly counts. They're so, my boys. <laughs> nice. Well, that's that's a great story, Eric. I, I appreciate you sharing that with us. I'm always I'm always curious when somebody makes a jump like that. I'm curious what your biggest fears were, aside from the fact that you just couldn't pay bills. Um, and then how you had that conversation with your wife. Yeah, sure. So my biggest fear along the way, I'd actually thought about quitting my job before. Um, there was a point, actually, when I moved from Denver to Portland, I got a 40% raise, which was huge, mm-hmm. obviously. That was after the MBA. So you know, after that point, I was making like, really good money from my day job. I, I wasn't quite at six figures, but I was well on the way. And when I walked away, I was like, well, I'm not just walking away from that. I'm walking away from the stability that I get from knowing every other week I'm going to get this predictable paycheck. And if you've worked in corporate America, I mean, they say it's a meritocracy where the people who do the best work get promoted and move up. But anyone who's spent more than a few days there knows there's a lot more (laughs) that goes on a lot of their, you know, corporate politics and all that stuff. So, yeah, so I saw that I knew that, you know, butt in chair time essentially would give me that paycheck. It didn't matter if as long as I didn't do something egregious to get fired, I could count on that money. Whereas in the world of freelancing, which I was stepping into, you know, a little mistake, they might just not hire you again. It's not like you have to fire somebody uh, in the freelance world. But also, you know, the other side of that is I'd have multiple income streams. So if I did get fired by a client, I wouldn't lose all of my income. So there's the other side of that coin. Um, But I think my biggest real biggest fear was that I was going to have to move in with my in-laws or my parents Mm. (laughs) at the end of the day with my with my wife and daughter that I was something was going to happen. I wouldn't be able to pay the bills because, you know, it's not just the paycheck. It's things like health insurance where I mean, if it seems like your employer is uh, if you have a full time job is taking a lot of your paycheck for your health insurance, wait until you have to pay for the entire thing yourself. It's a lot of money. And even I couldn't have this without Obamacare, without the Affordable Care Act. I wouldn't have been able to leave my job. But that doesn't mean it's inexpensive. Um, it, it was It's better than nothing, but it's still about $1,400 a month for my family for, for health insurance. So there's a lot of pieces of the puzzle that fit together outside of just a paycheck when you leave your job. Got it. No question about that. The bills keep coming. Yeah, yeah. And especially when I moved down to California and uh, I mean, it, it wasn't sticker shock because I knew I was moving somewhere more expensive. But 
when you uh, when you get your first property tax bill here, which in Portland it wasn't like we had low property taxes or anything. There, there it's a high tax. There, there's no sales taxes. Actually, fun thing about Oregon, um, but property taxes and income taxes are high. When I moved here, sales taxes, property taxes, and income taxes were all high. <laughs> so I call it the sunshine tax because. It's like 70 degrees and sunny today and every day. It is awful nice there. (laughs) I I love that part of it. (laughs) Well, tell us about personal profitability, what that is, all of it. Yeah. So um, when I started it, it, that's that's that little personal finance blog I mentioned. I started back in October 2008. And because of my extensive knowledge in online marketing I had back then, I called it narrowbridgeadventures.blogspot.com. Nice. And that was the website. If you go there, I think it'll still forward to my current site. But it, so it started as Narrow Bridge Adventures, uh, which um, the name actually comes from a Jewish song that means a lot to me, but not much to a lot of other people. So eventually that's why I renamed it Personal Profitability. But the ultimate goal of the site, which is a both a blog and a podcast, is to help people fix their personal finances and to help people look at their money more like a business. I actually came up with the idea for personal profitability, the name, after we'd moved to Portland. There was one morning I was up in the shower because that's where I do my best thinking. Most people, do. I, I feel like showers are like, we need more like notepads in the shower. I actually got bathtub markers uh, for, for kids nice. uh, to take notes in the shower <laughs> when I think like blog post ideas and stuff. So I was, I was up in the shower and I, I was working at my day job at that point on product profitability. So my job as a senior financial analyst was to look at different product lines and make sure each individual product was making money. And I'd always thought of you know, kind of myself as a business, but I'd never formalized any way to think of that. And that's what the light bulb went off. I was in that, in that shower. I thought it's not about per- product profitability. It's about personal profitability. And I like ran downstairs still dripping wet to tell my wife because I was so excited. <laughs> oh, my God, I'm going to rename it after only like five years. This is what the site's about. Um, so, so that's how the name came about. It, it, and that's really what I think people should you know, you know, take to heart when they're thinking about their money because you are essentially a business. It's just that your business for most people is to go to work for an employer who – pays you a fee for your services that you provide that business. But unless you are you know, a lawyer or a doctor, there's certain kinds of jobs that you have a contract where you can't do something else at the same time or, or maybe an executive level worker at, at you know, a big company. But most people, we can absolutely use those hours we're not at the office or, or wherever we work to make more money. You know, whether that's an evening or a weekend or early mornings before you go into work, Whenever you have that time, you can make more money. And just like a business, you want multiple income streams, right? Like, you know, if, if one company has just one customer and that is the only place they get their income and that customer decides, oh, I don't want to work with you anymore, that company could go out of business. And that has absolutely happened. Uh, just a couple of years ago, um, Apple used to get all of its glass for iPhones from one company, I think in Arizona, actually. Hmm. And um, they said one day, oh, we're going to get the glass somewhere else. And that company went bankrupt. And that's essentially what happens when someone loses their job, You know, whether it's because they didn't do a good job there or it's a layoff or whatever other reason. Uh, essentially, the company would be saying to the employee, you know, we thank you for all the work you've done. Uh, we don't need you anymore. And for most people, that is a 
you know, financially traumatic event, you know, in addition to the personal trauma of losing a job that's horrible to go through. I've, I've gone through it once. and It was not fun. But um, if you have multiple income streams and you lose your biggest customer being your employer, you're still okay. And at that point that I did lose a job once, I'd already been side hustling for a while. So I thought, yeah, I'm not making as much as I need to pay the bills every month at this point. But between savings and the income I do have, I could go six months to a year without really having to worry about money. So that's such an important concept to me is that treating yourself like a business and focusing on multiple income streams. And that's really what personal profitability is all about. Nice. I like it. What is it that stops people from doing that? Is it just not knowing how to start? Is it stress? I think, I think there's a there's a lot of factors. Um, the the one that I like to pick on the most is TV. Okay. Um, TV it could be a metaphor for a lot of other things in your life, but uh, the average American watches something like five hours of TV every day. That like baffles me. Actually, one of the best decisions I ever made for my own personal profitability was back in 2011, I cut cable, which I was paying Comcast about $70 a month. And I noticed a few things happened when I cut cable. And now, you know, for me, it's cable. For you, you know, cable could be an analogy for something else that sucks up a lot of your time that doesn't give you any benefit in return. Because TV, to, unless you're like sitting there watching CNBC and you're a stock trader, you're not going to get much benefit from watching TV. You're just going to get right. fat. Uh, so, um, so when I cut cable back in 2011, I realized one, I started going out and being social with people more, which is worth way more than money, like making and building relationships with friends and family. And that that's huge. Uh, two, it gave me a lot more time to work on my blog and my business, which I'd say that was one of my kind of pivot points where my income had been kind of slowly rising at like a I'm making a chart with my hands. I know you guys can't see that. This thing. It's, it's like one of those flat charts of like a hockey stick where, where it points up. Um, that was one of my hockey stick moments was when I canceled cable because all of a sudden, instead of coming home from work and, you know, turning on the TV until you know, nine, 10 o'clock and going to bed, I'd pull up my laptop and I'd type and I'd work and I'd build my website and I'd do social media things and I'd create images and you do all that other stuff website owners have to do. And that, you know, absolutely led to higher income. I'm also like a, a third benefit of canceling cable since 2011, I've saved over $5,000 I would have spent on TV and that's enough money to start a business, to put a down payment on a car, to buy a car outright. If you get a cheap car, like take a month in Europe, you could do so much with $5,000. So you know, look at where your time really goes every day. Yeah, you know, I know it's harder for parents to, to get free time than non-parents, uh, but I know many moms and dads out there who hustle on the side and do very well. Uh, so, so that's what really what it is: finding um, finding where your time is going and is being wasted. And that is the biggest thing that stops people from fixing their money and their finances and starting businesses. They think they're too busy. But they're really busy just watching TV or doing some other time waster. Definitely agree. I think that if we were really honest with ourselves about how we spend our times or how we spend our time, we'd probably be shocked by uh, how much we're actually wasting. And little bites, little bits go a long way. If it's 70 bucks a month or 50 or 100, that really adds up over time. So that is great okay. advice. So there's an app I'd, I'd love to share with everyone because it's free. It's called Rescue Time. 
I have it installed on both my phone and my laptop, and it tracks whatever app I have open on top at any given time on my phone or my computer. Mm. And at the end of the week, it sends me an email telling me what I spent my time on. And about I don't know, six or eight months ago, I'd noticed that the time spent on games on my phone had been creeping up to a point that I was like, oh, this is like too many hours a week going to games. So I just like deleted all the games on my phone one day. Nice. So, uh, and, that, and that's recent. This isn't years ago. This is after I'd quit my job. There's always still opportunities to improve. Nobody's perfect, right? <clears throat> no, nobody's perfect. I mean, we, we still have to take some time to do things we enjoy and like have personal time. And like yesterday I was at, at my uh, synagogue uh, volunteering at a holiday carnival and my daughter was in a costume playing. So, you know, I, I do make time for things that aren't sitting on a computer working also. But, you know, I, I make that a priority because that's where my income is. Right. So how do you counsel or coach people to get started? Yeah, um, just start. Analysis paralysis is is probably the biggest reason a lot of people don't start on something. And I have one specific friend who comes to mind. I've been friends with him for years. And now I'm, I'm proud to say he runs a, a successful roofing company. But for years, he was working uh, kind of odd jobs, wasn't doing all that well income-wise, was living at home, which was, was a cultural thing, I think, more than uh, than a money thing. But he just kind of was stumbling along in life and he kept telling me he was inspired by all this online stuff I was doing. So I was like, all right, so start. Right. <laughs> so he finally, after like two years of talking to me about it, bought a domain name, which is you know, like seven, ten, twelve dollars. <laughs> not, not that big of a deal. Uh, and then like two years later, I was like, all right, I think I'm ready to write my first blog post. But I keep like getting stuck on should it be about this or about this? You know, I read Seth Godin's book and it said this, but then I read Four Hour Work Week and it said this. And I'm like, dude, like stop thinking about all that and just do something. Because Anything. <laughs> yes, until you start, you will never make a dollar. And it all starts with the first dollar. Like I talked about that first beer I was able to buy that I earned online essentially. And that is a huge deal mentally, I think. You know, there's it's easy to get stuck up on the, stuck on this idea that you can't make more money than whatever your boss decides to pay you at your day job. But that's just, as we said, it's not true. There are so many ways you can earn. I mean, if you live somewhere where it snows, go shovel some driveways. Yeah, it's not fun. You might think that's something that's a job for a high school kid. It's You're not too good to make money. I'm not too good to make money. There's no job I'm too good for. You know, if, if I weren't doing as well uh, online, I'd be doing something else and we all have to make a living so but find ways to use those hours productively and just do it it's um it's not going to happen until you you do it and you know for an online project which is you know most of what i help people with um, even though i do help people with offline stuff too and online your startup capital your cost essentially to get going is 50 dollars roughly and that's for a domain name and for hosting for a website for a year so it's not this huge thing you don't have to you don't you know rome wasn't built in a day neither will your business you know it all starts on day one and dollar one that is the truth well eric savage nation is ready for your difference making tip what do you have for them yeah so the number one difference making tip is to focus on what's working in your business and repeat that again and again and find the things that aren't working and don't and the example for that in my business, you know, when I was building my blog, I thought I was going to be like the next Pat Flynn or, you know, one of those huge name guys. You know, I know Pat. He's like an amazing, genuine, cool guy. 
But obviously, if you look at personal profitability's income reports and you look at smart passive income's income reports, I'm missing a zero <laughs> that Pat has. Uh, so, so obviously, that wasn't what was working for me. But what I did notice um, from going to a conference every year called FinCon, it's a financial blogging and media conference. I've been to all of them. I love it. It's it. it that conference changed my life. I would not be here today if it were not for that conference. Uh, but along the way, um, it was some companies that go to that conference started to notice my blog and said, hey, Eric, we like what you're doing. We like what you're writing. Uh, uh, you know, you're educated. You have an MBA. Would you like to write for our blog? We'll pay you. I thought, you know, sure. <laughs> you pay me. I'll write whatever you want. That sounds awesome. And uh, And that's what was working in my business. It wasn't you know, my blog and podcast do fine. You know, they make they make some money there. You know, they make way more than most blogs because most blogs make nothing. You know, blogging is not a get rich quick scheme for sure. It's, it's a it's a maybe you'll make a few dollars over the long haul scheme and a few people make a lot of money. Uh, so um, but, but when I was working on that, you know, I, I saw freelancing is where the money is coming from for me. So that's where I started to focus. And had I not done that, I'd probably still be working in gray cubicles. I'd probably still be making, you know, I'd probably make what, you know, five, ten thousand dollars a year online, which is great. You know, that's not I'm not gonna knock that. That's not pocket change. That's that could be life changing money for people. Um, but you know, at this point I make ten thousand a month online. And that would not have happened had I not focused on what was working, even though it wasn't what I expected to work or what I planned to work, it's what was working. So that that's what I repeated. Focus on what's working. That is great stuff. That definitely gets a come on. Come on. So thank you for that, Eric. Uh, tell us where Savage Nation can learn more about you and how people can engage with you. Absolutely. Yeah. So the easiest place to find me is personalprofitability.com or ericrosenberg.com. Personal profit is personal profitability. So I'm stumbling on my own words. <laughs> is uh, is the home of both the blog and the podcast. I also have a new podcast uh, with a co-host. We talk about money, religion, and politics. It's called Oh No, We Didn't. And <laughs> it's hilarious and I fun. And my co-host is a Christian conservative in Boise, Idaho. Boise, I learned actually. And I am a Jewish liberal in Southern California. So we obviously have some different ideas on things and it's fun. But uh, also before we go, I have one giveaway I want to give to you guys. If you go to personalprofitability.com slash bootcamp, I have a free week-long series. You get an email every morning with a link to a video that's about 10 minutes long to help you get on your path to personal profitability and get your finances in order and maybe even get that side hustle business started. That's awesome. We will list all of that in the notes of the show. So, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Eric your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Thank you again, Eric. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Yes, sir. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we're all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on!